This episode of Nomade Athlete Radio is brought to you by Four Sigmatic, a natural superfood company that specializes in mushroom-based drinks like coffee and elixirs that benefit your immunity, energy, and longevity. To learn more, visit foursigmatic.com slash no meat and use discount code no meat at checkout for 15% off your order. That's foursigmatic.com, F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C.com slash no meat and use code no meat to save 15%. Hi, this is Hope. This is Kareem. Hi, this is Katie from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to Me Athlete Radio. Doug, have you uh, tried KFC's new Beyond Fried Chicken Sandwich yet? <laughs> yeah, we. Uh, <laughs> no, I haven't, but... Um, I, all right, so this is this is. I, I was debating whether to even bring this up or not yeah, because we've talked about, you know, it's like our uh, it's like our second topic. We're plant based fitness and fake meats in fast food restaurants. <laughs> in fast food restaurants, <laughs> uh, you know, I was pretty excited when I saw the announcement the other day that uh, KFC was getting it, right. and um, but but then I read the article and it's like we're testing it in one location, right? <laughs> and I was like, well, seriously, one? I, like, typically, they do like a region or something, right? Right, I know. Um, but did you hear what happened in that one restaurant? Well, I have some firsthand knowledge of what happened okay. in that restaurant because the restaurant is like two miles from my sister's house. Uh-huh. And um, they drove by it. And uh, sure enough, just as the, the tweets that, that uh, came in, it looked like there was a madhouse out there. Yeah, that's why I read that it sold out in five hours. Lines mm. wrapped around the restaurant. Dang. I know. And... and uh, I don't. I, this is from Engadget. Uh, they sold as much of the meatless chicken as it typically sells popcorn chicken in a week. What? Which is like, I mean, you know that popcorn stuff. How how good that is. I mean, as far as like people wanting it. I, I only had it a couple times as a kid, but I remember just being the best thing I'd ever had. Mm-hmm. And I think I think that's what people buy there, right? Isn't that like the big? I have no idea. Thing. I don't know. Maybe I could be wrong. It's been so long, but I thought the popcorn chicken was like the the popular thing to go get. Yeah. So anyway. Maybe, I have no idea. But uh, So sold in five hours as much as, as that in a week. That's crazy. That's yeah. that's that's exciting. I mean, I wonder what that means for them, you know? What that, what I mean, that... it must mean they're going to, right. If, if it was a test, then, I mean, there's, there's no way that's not success, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I yeah, I don't think that's uh, unsuccessful. Right. Well, um, hopefully they'll bring it back to that same restaurant, and then your sister can go grab some. Yeah. So I uh, I had my first Whopper, my first Impossible Whopper last That's night. Right. I thought you texted me that. I forgot to text you back. But uh... yeah, yeah, I noticed you didn't text me back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I uh, we were uh, we were at the airport and um, and the, like walked right by Burger King and you know we had just been just gotten done talking about what we were gonna do for dinner mm-hmm. um, and uh, sh- yeah, so I just had to stop and, and get a Whopper and um, it was delicious. I have to say, it really like. Something about just unwrapping it and having, um, I don't know, right. like really crappy lettuce and yeah. a crappy tomato and, you know, slithered it, you know, I, so I did the, I did the mustard instead of the mayo mm-hmm. and I don't know, it was just, it was really good. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know, it was, it was good. Um, yeah, I know. I'm, I'm going to say it again. I'm worried about what's going to happen. Because mm-hmm. I th- with this KFC thing, I like that's just another thing now. Okay, I'm gonna go try that as soon as that's everywhere, and I'll probably have it four times that week because it's just so good. <laughs> I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And 
And then now there's two options for that, and then everyone else is going to do it, of course, because everyone's, I mean, assuming it keeps selling, like it appears that it is. Yep. And then, and then how what how much of our diet then is going to become fast food? Uh, you know, obviously exercise some self control, and we can we can keep that down. But I just I don't know. I I don't know if the vegan diet's going to be viewed as healthy anymore. I mean, I have to assume the novelty's going to wear off, right? And you know, after it's yeah, I think so. Like, yeah, that's a good point because people did. Like, I mean, I, before I was vegetarian, I, you know, made a shift to stop eating fast food. Yeah. But then I still did it. I mean, I still did it once every two weeks and thought that was not Well, sure. Yeah. Right. Which is more than, you know, than I would probably eat. Like I would get, if I'm, you know, once every couple weeks I get Thai takeout or something like that. And that's kind of my quick and easy meal. Uh, And that I'm sure is way healthier than a Whopper. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe. I'm not, not so sure with that. Uh, but it's but the Whopper's way cheaper and exactly yeah. arguably as good. I mean, it's a, you know, not as quality, but certainly in the moment, it's pretty good. Uh-huh. Uh, so that's gonna that'll become the go to thing. I mean, well, for me, I'd rather do that than spend eighty dollars on the whole family ordering uh, whatever the Uber Eats thing is here. I forget the name of it, but mm-hmm. that Thai of Thai food. Yeah. So then, then we do that, and I don't know. It just even once every two weeks, twenty six times a year in ten years. It's been ten years since I've been able to eat fast food. That's <laughs> two hundred and sixty times that I yeah. didn't eat fast food that I probably would have otherwise. Yeah, that's a good point. I don't know. I don't know, okay. but but every two weeks, are you eating? Are you getting your breeds? No. Okay. Definitely not because it's too expensive. Yeah. Uh, so well. I don't know. Same argument. What, nothing I to did, say about it. Um, I when I was checking out at, at Burger King, I just asked if, if how popular the Whopper or the Impossible Burger was, and they said they they run out of it every time. So they can't keep hmm. uh, they can't wow. keep it in stock. So cool that it's happening. I mean, it's, it says so much about about the movement, which is awesome. The future is vegan, Matt. Yeah, it is. I hope, and I hope uh, I hope it somehow is healthy. I don't know. I'm worried about that. And I uh, I mean. The, you know, I I can't tell you how many mainstream news outlets I have seen promoting um, or or saying that the, you know, you know about the fires in the Amazon? Or is that something Matt doesn't know? Uh, I did know about that, but only in passing. Okay. Well, the Amazon. I kind of figured that was the same thing that was going on forever, the rainforest being depleted and all that. Yeah. Well, it's it's been ramped up significantly in part because of the Brazilian president and the government's down there and and in part some of its... uh, not controlled or a lot of it's you know wildfire but you know but they're kind of encouraging deforestation and you know allowing that to happen um and rejecting international funding to help prevent the fires um but uh i can't tell you how many countless news articles i've read uh over the past week about how you know the root of the problem is uh the beef industry oh yeah yeah interesting so good timing i know that could that wouldn't be a conspiracy by Impossible and Burger King to light those <laughs> fires, would it? Definitely not. No. Okay. Because it could no, it's, would it's really it's really quite it's really quite complex and messed up. What's what's happening down there? And Sounds discouraging. Like yeah. Well, that's what the world is discouraging. <laughs> that's true. That's very All right. true. Well, we have a topic today that is not about fake meat. No. It was uh, one you came up with. Inspired by what? Oh, inspired by 
No, inspired by a post I wrote a couple weeks ago about um, the three mistakes I made when going vegan. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I, uh, I don't know. It's kind of an, a fun process to kind of think back at when I went vegan and and what I would do differently now. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, you know, it's it's a. I think that it's important whenever you do anything big, whether that's going vegan or running a marathon or having a kid, it's important to make mistakes, right? I mean, you know, that's that's like how you learn and you grow and you figure it out. Yep. But, uh, you know, but there are certain mistakes that if I could do it again, I, I wouldn't make. <laughs> and <laughs> I wouldn't waste the time or the energy or the frustration of making. Right. Um, and, you know, I wish somebody had told me to do otherwise. So today we're going we're gonna to take that theme of... Uh, I don't know what if we want to call it regrets or mistakes or or just things we would do differently. Um, I forget actually how I pitched it to, to you. I think um, you said things we do differently. Things we do differently. Because I don't think I I started thinking about it as mistakes and then I I didn't like that because so we're doing it with running a marathon. Did you just say that? You may have. I didn't. No, but I was about to. Yeah. Okay. Good. Um and I started thinking about them as mistakes and then I was like yes, these were not the best things I could have done, but they're still, they're the way I did it. And it led to me running a marathon, although not one I was happy with. And it mm-hmm. led to me wanting to run another marathon and being into it and becoming a runner and all these great things that happened. And so, like, I don't, I don't, it's not like the whole thing was a mistake. And everything I did could, could be almost counted as a mistake. Sure. Uh, but I would not say that the, the act of doing it, the whole thing altogether, just jumping in was a mistake. Oh, so. No. Mm-hmm. So I think it is a do different. I think it's not. It's not that it was a mistake. It's just here's if I could go back and sort of give some advice. Here, here's how I would handle that differently. Here's a here's right. a question for you. Before we dive into those uh, the things you would do differently, mm-hmm. do you think that had had your first marathon and, and most people know your marathon story, or maybe not? Maybe we should maybe maybe we should talk about our first marathon experiences before we right. really get well, into we can these. Do that. Um, but if your first marathon had not been such a colossal crap show. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think you would have been as excited about doing another one, as motivated to do another one? Or more motivated? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. I don't th- I, I don't think I quite would have been. It sort of depends. Because my goal was qualify for Boston. I mean, yeah. A very completely naive goal. It was nowhere, I was nowhere near able to do that. Had I actually run a marathon that was like, I don't know, within within 20 minutes of it, Mm-hmm. Then I probably that would have been close enough that I would say, "Hey, I can I can do this thing. Like I'm I'm going to keep going." But had I been in the middle of like I don't know forty minutes away, where it was like, "Wow, I'm pretty far away," but I still did run a successful marathon that I'm happy with, that might have made me that might have been satisfactory enough, and I would have stopped there. But because I was so bad, relative to that goal, I'm not saying that my time was a horrible time. If anyone runs that time, and not, nothing to do with that. Uh, I thought, wow, like I feel like I didn't really run the marathon I was supposed to run. Like I kind of walked a whole lot of this and didn't. So I felt like I had to do it. Otherwise, forever in my mind would be this. People would ask me if I ran a marathon, or I would say that I ran a marathon, but always feel like I didn't really run it. I sort of just mailed it in. Uh, so that made me have to do another one. So that's a good question. I think I think had I been really close, yes. Had I been as it was really far away, uh, then yes, obviously did another one. But had I just run a nice sub four hour satisfactory marathon, I probably would have, that would have been good enough. Yeah. What do you think? About for myself or for you? Yeah. For you. I mean, like, did you, what was your first marathon compared to what you had hoped it would be? Uh, you know, I think, I think it didn't really matter 
mm-hmm. it wouldn't have mattered to me. I, I, you know, I did not have super ambitious goal to qualify for Boston. And, I, and to be honest, I don't even know what my first marathon time was. It wasn't good. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, you know, I mean, well, it wasn't what I expected it to be. Um, it definitely I fell apart. Um, but that whole experience just, uh, you know, it, fi- it put lit a fire in me that I had, you know, maybe I've never experienced since, to be honest. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and I think part of that fire being lit was um, falling, was unraveling. And just like that, you know, for the first time ever, my body had like kind of shut down on me. Mm-hmm. And my mind had, you know, and I was, I was dealing with like the mental struggles of, of, you know, whether I should quit or whether I should keep going or, right. you know, all that stuff. And, and like that just it got me so motivated and, and that's, you know, what sparked me to do another one and another one. And then, you know, I think that's the same motivation that sends me up a mountain for a hundred miles, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I guess the point that you're going to make is maybe it's good to make the mistakes because if you yeah. don't, then <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I guess, right. Had I not made all these mistakes, had you not made some of these mistakes and it had gone better, closer to ideal, Mm-hmm. maybe you'd say that's good enough and I'm happy with having accomplished that, check that off, and now I can move on to something else. And so I was going to say, well, that's a bad thing, right? Because then we wouldn't have started these these running careers is the wrong word, but started running and doing a bunch of races and become runners, uh, at least in my case, that's kind of made me become a runner and get into it for, I don't know, 10, 12 years. Uh, or more than that, 15 probably. But then I think, I don't know, like if it, if I had been satisfied, maybe I would have just moved on and said i not like it would have been wasted like i would maybe would have done something different and found something different to do that that wasn't so much time running and had done, gotten into crossfit or something who knows so yeah well really, i mean it's really bad no that's that's true i mean well i mean had well, if it need... was crossfit would be bad but i mean <laughs> <laughs> yeah you'd, you'd be the having a paleo blog right now <laughs> um no i mean I, I mean, I'm and I'm so grateful that I went down the path that I did. I mean, it wouldn't have sent me, you know, it wouldn't have. I wouldn't have started Rocky Runner. I wouldn't have started ultra running. I wouldn't have met you probably. Um, like you know, I mean, it's it's comp- that marathon has completely changed my life. Um, and but who knows? I mean, maybe you know, who knows? Maybe I would yeah, have maybe I would have started some other business. Maybe go a better way. Exactly. I'd be living on a yacht right now. Damn it. Yeah. Why didn't I do that? You could be talking to. Richard Branson or something. Yeah. Instead of me. <laughs> <laughs> All oh, right. Anyway. Man, that's depressing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So let's, uh, yeah, let's give the very, very short versions of our first marathon. Sure. And then get into what we would have done differently. So I'll go first. Like mm-hmm. I said, um, well, before, like I said, friends and I were into fitness in college. We started to say, hey, if we could run a marathon or a half marathon, that would help us like really lose fat and be fit, which is our goal right now. Because uh, I had never really been into fitness before, and I was all excited about it. And we said, well, let's just do a marathon, because like, we're in college, and that just seemed like the thing to do. Really just go for it. And we signed up. Nobody was really a runner. And you know, f- from the beginning, from the first month, I was starting to get hurt. It was just not going well. Uh, I, w- I was getting the runs done from this plan I had downloaded off the internet. And uh, getting them done, but every time hurting more, ignoring anything except for the numbers that were on that schedule. I didn't do any research into running or how to do it or form or how to eat. None of that. Just followed those. And 
really soon was had a stress fracture in my shin because I thought it was shin splints, went to the doctor, it was stress fracture. So he said, you can't run the marathon, you just have to stop running. I think I was maybe two months out from the race at that point, but I had done up to like 13 or 14 or 15 miles, something like that, maybe even 16. And I said, this is enough. I probably can just get the marathon done, even if I mostly shut it down for the next two months. And so that's what I did and went and ran it. For some reason, I mean, I just wanted to finish the race, but as soon as the race started, we started out at like, the first mile was definitely a six was on the front of the clock when we hit it. It was 650 or something, uh, which was just an insane pace. We were in the very first corral. It's not fast or anything. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, but we were in the, because we had put down 310 as our as our projected finish time because we wanted to qualify for Boston, <laughs> smartly. And uh, so we just kind of were running at the speed everybody else was. And it was like, oh, this is easy. This is great. Like, there must be something special about race day that makes you go faster. <laughs> and so... And so we're like, well, this is good. We're, we're below Boston pace. This should be easy. And we just kept going. And then I think we were still on Boston pace at like maybe 10 miles in or a half marathon in. And then just That's like, pretty impressive. I know. <laughs> and then it just, just collapsed. And I think at, eight, at 18, I could not run another step and just started walking. And we would like say, okay, let's just make it to this fire hydrant up ahead or this light post up ahead and like maybe try to run a little bit, but but 90% walking. And it just, so, so the halfway point in terms of time was the 18 mile mark or so. Uh, and my final time was 4.52 or something, which turned out to be 104 minutes off the uh, the target time. I think I wrote 309 as my, as my pace and 4.53 was the final. So anyway, um, yeah. So in my eyes, like that was a disaster, but I also had finished which is kind of all I could hope for after being injured. Um, and so it just didn't feel like I had really run a marathon. It felt like I had walked the second yeah. half of a marathon. And a very, very unsatisfying way to do a first marathon. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, that sounds pretty terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, I, I think that, like, that that's the story that probably a lot of, like, young men in particular have or i mean maybe not quite as dramatic as that but like starting out way too fast and you yeah. know having w- way bigger expectations for what they can do than right. what they can actually do yep. mine wasn't quite as dramatic uh i think i think my goal was like you know 345 or something like that and nowhere near trying to qualify for boston um but yeah i'd run a couple half marathons in training and and uh you know thought that i could kind of keep my whatever my half marathon pace was for the full marathon. And so I just looked it up and I finished in four hours and 13 minutes, which okay. is, you know, a totally respectable marathon oh, yeah. pace. Um, yeah, absolutely. But, you know, but it was about a half an hour off of, of what I was projecting. Mm-hmm. And, and, and really, I mean, mine, like the first half, I remember just going really well. Like I was right with the pace group. I uh, was feeling really good. I, I remember exactly seeing my family right around the halfway point and just being like totally jazzed and pumped up giving high fives and feeling good. Some guy came up to me and he's like, do you have any Advil? And I was like, nah, man. And like, like, I was like, oh, I feel bad for that guy. <laughs> you know, just like, oh, I'm crushing this. And then, so it was the, Bil- or the Baltimore Marathon in Baltimore. And uh, I want to say around like mile 16, there's this big hill that takes you up to um, the reservoir. Lake Montebello? Perhaps? Lake Montebello. I don't know. You've run it, right? Mm-hmm. There's, you run around like a lake or a reservoir or some sort of like pond. Yeah. yeah. And so, and I, that is right at mile 20 because the like wall, they have that one of those big blow up wall things. Yeah, I love those. 
uh, um, right at, at mile 20 is, is on the lake or like right next to the lake. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a, there's, but there was, I remember there being a long uphill stretch to get there. Through a nice area of the city too. The uphill part? Yeah. Oh, oh, you're, you're being sarcastic. It's really nice. It's the worst possible area. <laughs> um, and you know, so that was like mile 17 or something like that. And that's like, that's when I realized like, oh crap. This isn't quite going my way. <laughs> Some, so something was weird is happening with my legs here, and uh, they're not quite moving the same way. And by the time I got up to the lake, I was just, I was, I was really starting to slow down. I'd fallen off pace with the pace group. Um, I just like I remember a lot of people walking. We had hit the oh, uh, this was another thing is it hit um, like a a group of half marathoners, and um, they had started at a time where like when by the time I was up there there were a lot of uh I was kind of towards the back of the pack of the half marathoners mm-hmm. and so all of them were walking or a lot of them were walking mm-hmm. and uh I just remember mentally that being really difficult to see like all these people walking and um and then me you know trying not to allow myself to walk you know trying to like like really struggling and but all these other people are kind of like giving in to the walking and maybe they're walking the whole thing, like you know that they might that might be exactly what their strategy is. But for me, it wasn't, and uh, I just remember like that being really de- de- defeating. Um, it's kind of difficult no matter what, because if the other side of the coin is if they're starting and they're running fast and they're all running way faster than you because they haven't run, yeah, yet. That's true. It's just not it's not not a good mix when half marathon starts halfway into the full marathon. Well. This is a tangent, but it's not a good mix the other way either. When I ran the rock and roll in D.C., mm-hmm. and uh, the, everybody started together, and then at mile like eleven, the half marathoners split off. Right. Um, like the for the first half half marathon or first eleven miles, it's kind of great to have everybody running around the same pace, and you know, just like a lot of energy with a big group of people. And then when they left, and they were they took up easily two thirds of the the runners were just half marathoners. And um, I just remember it was like so depressing to all of a sudden be by yourself, uh-huh. and you know, and then you were, and then you're running through Anacostia, another great part of DC, and um, and it was just like there was just nobody out there, there was no fans, like there's just nothing, and, and that like was equally as struggle fest. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, so you know, so I'm up there at the lake, and things are starting to unravel. And everyone's walking, and so then I kind of just, like, start walking, and, and I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm, like, six more miles. I don't know if I can do this. I'm by myself, just feeling really depressed and bummed out about what was happening. I'd never experienced anything quite like that, where every, the wheels came off so dramatically. Um, and then I remember you get to this neighborhood, and everyone's handing out, you know, like, candy from their from their house, and I just remember just like taking handfuls of anything that anybody had, <laughs> like gummy bears and like all like just whatever anybody had. I was just like shoveling it in my mouth, just like maybe this will help me out. Which is <laughs> kind of gross. I probably wouldn't do that now. Um, certainly not gummy bears. Right. Um, but you know, at that point, I wasn't even vegetarian. So, uh, and, you know, so I just like going through this. I don't know. Just the last six miles lots and lots of walking even on the downhills just lots and lots of well, i don't know why i did this second guessing everything you know about the whole experience and kind of regretting everything so while i had while i was right on pace for the first half of marathon the second half was you know way off pace i lost a lot of ground um 
and and cross the finish line kind of you know glad glad to glad i did it i guess but just so glad it was over <laughs> right yeah which is how almost every first marathon is sure yeah right? I mean, it's just it's just what happens and and even once you're once you run a few those last six miles are still miserable and you're just counting them down i mean i, I guess there are situations where you could do it better than that but it's just i mean it's not that easy to run 26 miles when you're no you know, definitely not you don't have not run for 10 years so anyway um good well then let's let's get to the things we would have done differently. And again, like the point is that if someone running a first marathon or maybe a second, um, you know, that this would, that hopefully this would help someone just kind of correct something. And I don't, you know, I'm not going to give any amazingly deep insights here. The things that I did wrong are pretty obvious. Um, but still, if you're a new runner, it might be easy to make them. And the hope is that this will help you to not. Yeah. So that your first marathon will still be bad, but just not as bad as ours. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, like, no matter what, if someone just gave you the perfect plan and the perfect advice and you implemented all of it, there's no way that you're going to have a perfect day on your right, first marathon. Right, There's, there's no substitute so for, actually, for actually having done it and made a mistake and then correcting. Yeah. And then and also for having run for, you know, two or three or five plus years uh, instead of the way I did it, which was just jump right in and say, I'm running a marathon. Right. Which, is, which leads me to the first thing I, w- I would do differently, and that is... Um, just like you, I mean, both of our stories start pretty similarly where we were sitting around with some roommates drinking beers and mm-hmm. decided to sign up for yep. a marathon. Um, the, I, you know, at that point I was going to the gym probably like three times a week, lifting a little bit of weights and running a mile and a half on the treadmill. And like, mm-hmm. that was, that was my experience with running. And, yep. you know, I had run high school cross country. So, you know, I kind of considered myself a runner, but at that point it was, you know, six years previously right. and I really hadn't run it at all since. And I was, and so when I signed up for this, I, and I found a marathon training plan that was 20, 20 weeks out. I was like, oh, that's plenty of time. I can go from a mile and a half, three times a week, to, you know, to a marathon in twenty weeks, no problem. Right. Um, and it just was so many problems. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like it was just, it, it, you know, it was probably more of a, as a more aggressive training program than, than I wanted because I didn't ramp up or than I should have been on. Because I didn't ramp up properly, I had all kinds of uh, issues with my knees. And, I mean, I just remember, like, every Monday I would walk into work limping and just, like, really creaky. Mm-hmm. And my my cube mate, because I had a cube, uh, um, my cube mate would, you know, after, the, the like, a couple weeks would just be like, Doug, I don't know that you should really be doing this. Like, this doesn't look <laughs> this doesn't look healthy. And I was like, no, 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 it's fine. Like, this is how marathoners are, you know. I'm, right. <laughs> like, every marathoner walks around like this. I'm like, no, it's, that's absolutely not the case. But I just, my body couldn't handle that much uh, distance so quickly. And um, so if I was going to do it differently, I would, I would have trained for a half marathon first, like properly trained for a half marathon first, gone through all that, and then recovered from that, and then gone for the marathon. So I almost wrote that exact same thing. And then I said, I said, no, that's actually not true. I would not, I, I'm happy with the fact that I picked a marathon because had I said I'm running a half marathon, I wouldn't have done it. It just would not have been interesting. I would have done it for a little while. And as soon as it got a little bit hard, I would have said, this is not worth it. I'm just not going to do this. Um, so I don't have a problem with, with going right to the marathon, even from not being a runner. I was in the exact same condition you were or doing the same things, going to the gym every now and then running one to maybe up to three miles, but never more and no cross country or anything in high school. Um, but what I think I should have done is have a base of some kind, 
have yeah. an actual base that isn't just, you know, one to three miles, two to three times per week. Um, you you kind of just have to. If you're going to commit to a marathon program, and I'm talking about one like you, you did. I think mine was 18 weeks long. Um, you said 20-ish for yours. Like, I, I just don't, you just can't go from nothing to to being able to fairly comfortably run 26.2 miles in that amount of time. I mean, I just, unless you're superhuman. So mm-hmm. have a base, pay attention to the part of this guy. Because my, the Hal didn't plan that I found for free on the internet, it definitely said something about runners should be running, I don't know, 12 to 15 miles per week. Maybe it was more than that. Maybe it was 15 to 20 uh, per week doing this. So I should have at the very least said, I'm going to first do a 10 week something to, to build up to that and have myself doing that for comfortably for a few weeks before I get into this plan that right away starts with three miles, three or four times a week, plus six on the weekend or something like that. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think the base, you have to have some kind of running base. Um, it's still a little bit hard. Had, had I been given that instructions that said, this is actually going to take you 30 weeks to do because you first have to do a uh, 10 or 12 week base building might've been enough to say, well, this is, this is more work than I thought. And I'm not going to do this, but, <laughs> but, uh, I don't know. I think that's, I would, I would tell myself build a base before you jump into this training plan. Yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe going through a whole half marathon cycle isn't for you, but I mean, there there has to be a way to kind of be a little bit smarter about your, about your training or, you know, make sure that you have a program that's designed for absolute beginners. And, you know, I, I mean, like someone just gave me this program. I didn't do any research. It was a friend who had run a marathon, and I said, hey, what program did you use? And they just gave it to me. And it had all kinds of speed work. It had all this, like, really challenging. I mean, the miles were pretty intense. And um, and and I just, you know, I just, I had, like, I hadn't done any of that in many, many years. And even then, I was, like, a mid-pack to backpack cross-country runner who didn't, you know, care at all about whether I was hitting my workouts or not. Right. Um, and, like... I don't know. I just I would I would have absolutely taken the time to learn how to run before mm-hmm. before becoming a marathoner because I could have like I could have injured myself to a point where I didn't even finish it and then that would have been it. Period. Yeah. Right. Right. Which I did. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> um. Okay. So my next one is actually two, and it's mm. but it's a common theme. Um. The theme is. Don't have any other goals except run your marathon because this is your first marathon. It's going to require everything you can possibly muster as far as your ability to recover and eat the right way and have the energy to do the runs, um, which is, I think, maybe tricky advice because I think a lot of people do get into marathon running shortly after they are getting into fitness, uh, or maybe that means shortly after they've started eating a plant-based diet and, or shortly after they've lost some weight. These things all tend to happen together, and then someone says, "Hey, I want to run." Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's really hard for someone who has like is in the in just I don't know has been through say a year or a year and a half of being fit, and then the idea that they need to drop all these things that that are their healthy habits or change them uh, so that they can align everything around training for and finishing their marathon. So for me, the what I did wrong, and this this probably directly led to my injury along with one other mistake, uh, actually two other mistakes. Um, is I didn't stop lifting. Like I, I was in the bulk up mode of, of college. I was trying to like 
get big and put on, I don't know, 20 pounds of muscle and was going to the gym as hard as I possibly could for an hour and a half, um, sometimes even more than that, three times a week. Like every muscle group got hit only once per week, but just got hammered once per week. You, get, you so had to look I could, good for... Be so, and if I wasn't sore the next day, like really sore, then it would mean that I didn't didn't do my job in the gym. Um, so I just said, I'll just, I'll just put a marathon training program on top of that. And that was a huge mistake. So I was doing all these heavy squats and deadlifts, which I'm not saying you can't do as part of training. It just, it needs to change. And that, that stuff needs to support your marathon training, not be just this, you know, total separate thing you're doing. Uh, aside from that, I was trying to put on weight, which is, which is typically not helpful for running long distances. <laughs> the lighter you can be, the better if you're maintaining most of that strength. Um, so I was going the opposite way there, which meant much more, uh, load on muscles and joints and things. So no wonder that it caused me not to, uh, or caused me to get injured. And the other part that went with it is I didn't, I didn't adjust my eating for this. I was, when I was in this kind of bulk up mode, um, my philosophy around, around, and again, this is just, uh, what's the word? Uninformed. Um, my philosophy around cardio workouts was left over from when I had started everything with body for life that, uh, Bill Phillips program from the early days, which I love by the way. Um, but that said, like, don't eat, I think within three hours ahead of your workout and one hour after it, and certainly not during it when you're talking about a cardio workout, uh, which by the way, isn't really helpful for, for bulking up. I learned later. That's more of like a lose fat kind of thing. Um, but so I, I applied that same thing to my running. And so even the, I remember a nine mile run I did, where I didn't really think about eating anything. And then I got home from it starving. And I was like, all right, counting down the time until I could reach an hour after that workout so that I could eat. So I, I was not eating. I wasn't doing anything. There was no nutrition related to running other than my like eating around my big weightlifting workouts. Mm-hmm. So um, again, those are part of the theme. Don't have another goal that you're trying to do. Because had I actually looked up how to eat around running, it would have completely changed the way I was eating. Uh, and the same with lifting. Had I looked up like how to support endurance training with lifting program probably could have found something maybe even the internet wasn't uh in the state it was now uh but probably could have found something but i mean i just didn't i just said i'll just i'll just do this marathon thing as part of my fitness program which is really all towards a much bigger goal of getting myself in shape getting ripped for mtv spring break yes that's exactly what it was <laughs> um yeah no i think i think that's i think that's really sage advice uh, uh you know just have a singular goal and and weight is such a tricky one because a lot of people either want to lose weight or in your case you were trying to put on weight like having weight as a part of your marathon training goal is i think kind of productive you just got to kind of see what happens as you start running and Um, actually i want to stop you there real quick that's a great point because i'm talking about i was talking about putting on weight uh much more common these days i hear people who are trying to lose weight and they want to run a marathon as kind of part of that and that sounds like well that should work if if putting on weight totally didn't work uh but it doesn't that doesn't work either because the the marathon training runs are not necessarily your ideal weight loss runs and the right. way to fuel around you know eat during your workouts and replace those lost calories that's not typically the the weight loss advice so it doesn't go with that either yeah yep i think uh yeah i think that that that's really smart and then so i you know i have one on nutrition as well so i'll just go ahead and, and do okay. that one um and that you know just pay attention to nutrition I'm, and I'm, like part of that is eating around your workouts i mean i remember my go-to thing after every i think i've told you this um is uh my go-to meal post workout meal was uh or long run meal was to come home from my long run 
throw a pepperoni pizza in the in the oven, take a shower, and then devour that entire pepperoni pizza. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was like just how I is that from know, the Brendan Brazier book? Is that where that uh, <laughs> idea came from? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I you know I mean like it was just uh, you know it was just like an easy meal and like a ton of calories and just felt good first you know it, but you know it's like not well not at all what I would do in, at the uh, now that I've learned something, you know, that was, I just didn't know. And then when it came to fueling my actual runs, my first gel ever was, uh, at mile 20 of the marathon when they were handing it out, you know, I just didn't even know that those really existed or maybe I did, but didn't like pay any attention to that. So I never fueled any of my long runs with anything but water, never fueled anything in my workouts, uh, with anything but water, maybe, maybe Gatorade or something like that. Um, Mm -hmm. And just had no idea about any of the concept of, of fueling a run, like mid, mid-run mid fuel. And I think now that's way more common knowledge. Maybe yeah. not. I don't know if that's true or not. Yeah, but I don't it, know. it feels like it is. Um, and, you know, but just based on the questions we get of, like, how do you fuel your your runs? Like, people know that that's a thing. Um, and I just didn't really know that that was a thing. And, like, so I would I would have paid way more attention to that both for my training, because I used every long run, I would fall apart, you know, or every long run, I would be ready to be done, mm-hmm. um, both for my training and also, of course, for race day. I think that would have totally changed race day for me as well. Yes, good. Um, all right, so I've got a couple more, and I'm sure you do as well, but before we do, let's uh, take a minute to thank our sponsor. This episode of No Meat Athlete Radio is brought to you by Four Sigmatic, a natural superfood company that specializes in mushroom-based drinks like coffee and elixirs that benefit our immunity, energy, and longevity and help us live healthier, more enhanced lives. Four Sigmatic was founded by a group of Finnish, one more time, Doug, fun guys. Fun guys. <laughs> aiming to popularize <laughs> functional mushrooms and adaptogens by incorporating them into mainstream products like coffee, tea, and cacao. For example, there's one of our favorites, which I have been drinking uh, quite heavily for the past two weeks or so. The Mushroom Coffee with Lion's Mane, made with a blend of 100% organic Arabica coffee and Lion's Mane mushrooms. Why Lion's Mane? Because it promotes productivity, focus, and creativity and balances out the stimulation from the coffee. Matt, you know, I've, I've been, I spent the last several days in Rochester visiting some mm-hmm. of Katie's family, my wife's family, um, and uh, we stay with her stepmom, who is wonderful and fantastic, but doesn't drink coffee, <laughs> and uh it occurred to me right before going up that the best thing I could do is bring my own and uh, bring, you know, bring this mushroom coffee. It's perfect travel coffee because it comes in little packs and, you know, it's like you, you, I can trust that it's going to be a good cup and, and I love it. Exactly. Like remember, I mean, remember Starbucks put out the uh, the instant coffee and it was just all the rage for a while that you could now just like make your coffee at home that simply? Yeah. that. I mean, they, and they don't advertise that, but it, that's what this is. It's instant coffee, right. which I guess is not, not new instant coffee, but uh, it sure is convenient compared to bringing the old pour over set up and all that sure totally and uh and you know and and you can trust that, it, that it's going to be tasty and it's going to bounce you know the lion's mane's going to balance out the, the caffeine boost and i don't know it's just that's a right. nice experience much Get more those ideas flowing that's that's right to learn more visit foursigmatic.com slash no meat and use discount code no meat at checkout for 15 percent off your order that's foursigmatic f-o-u-r-s-i-g-m-a-t-i-c.com and use code no meat to save 15 percent all right. All right. Um, I got another one, Doug. Let's hear it. Another mistake. This was a huge mistake. Ooh, um, big mistake. I like yeah, it. Yeah, this is, this is one of the big ones. I, what I would do differently is run easy most of the time. Mm. But that was the furthest thing from my 
mind. I just didn't know that that was a thing you had to do. In your training, I, you mean? Yeah. yeah. I, I didn't know. I mean, all the runs. I, I think, honestly, if I was, if I could go back and give that that younger me some advice, I would say don't even think about time. Like, forget the Boston thing. Like, if you want to have a goal like that, fine. But just don't let it impact the speed at which you train. Um, I The only running I knew then was running hard. I thought that's what it was. I thought if you did not come in from that workout completely drained, then you didn't you didn't really work out. Like I said, in the gym. That's what I was trying. Mm-hmm. I was aiming to be completely sore the next day. Uh, so I just applied the same thing to running. It did not occur to me that that you can't keep running three miles as hard as you can four times a week, that you should only be doing, <laughs> at most, like two hard workouts. In, I mean, maybe three. Actually, if I'm going to say at most, then at, I would say three hard running workouts in a week. Um, but as training for first marathon, one or two is more than enough. And, and in fact, you could do zero. Um so run easy, and easy has to mean really, really easy, which which there's no way a first marathoner would listen, but it should be that that conversational pace where you, you can literally carry on a conversation as you're running. Um, if you've never like gotten the heart rate monitor out and figured out where exactly that is, um, it's just really hard to run slow enough. It, like if you, if you think you're running easy and then you get a heart rate monitor and actually look at the zone, uh, you're probably running not as easy as you think. So... I just ran way too hard and everything. Even the long run, I was from the very first long run. I was concerned about that Boston pace, and I was like, "Well, I gotta try to just at least be down near that pace." Uh, so I would just kill myself during six and nine and ten mile runs that I was doing for the first time in my life, uh, instead of being, you know, knowing that if you've got a goal pace, be at least two minutes or not, not at least, but be be one and a half to two minutes slower than that goal pace for for a lot of those long runs. Again, this is specific to a first marathon. Um, but anyway, the big theme is. 80% of even a even a good runner, top runner, their training is, is going to be easy pace runs. It's it's recovery. It's getting mileage in without doing a whole lot of damage and requiring recovery for your body. Um, but I just I just did not know that. I did 100% of my running was at a faster pace than easy because uh, I thought that's how you got faster and it became better, and that was completely wrong. Mm-hmm. And that's what got me injured. Of all the things, that's probably the thing that got me injured. Hmm. It's good. It's good advice. Yes. Yeah. It's Which, so, by the way, sorry, one more thing to add to that. A lot of people think when they say, like, well, I can't imagine running a marathon. It's just like, that just seems like so far. I'm tired after I run one mile. And the answer is that it's it's nothing like that. It's not, you're not doing your mile run 26 right. times. You're not doing your 5K run uh, eight and two-thirds times. You are, you're doing something much different that, that can last much longer. Yes. That, that, that is so true. Uh, you know, I mean, and the whole, it, it, that, kind of keeps going on for marathons and past marathons, ultra marathons is like you, if all you do is run three miles and that's kind of your standard run and you're running as hard as you can and you can't think about going any further, like it just slowed down, you know, and you, all right. of a sudden you can go a lot further. And that, that's how people run these distances. Right. Except unless you're Zach Bitter, did you hear about the hundred mile world record this past weekend? No, did not. it got broken. Uh, and uh, in a time of, I think, 11 hours and, like, 19 minutes. Oh, my gosh. Which is 6.48 per mile. Oh, my God. For 100 miles. That's crazy. Uh, that track nuts? run? Must yep, have been, right? round track. Yep. Uh-huh. Indoor track. Um, <laughs> and crazy. he stopped, he stopped, um, I think, three times to take a break. And he, he t- t- tallied up that time, and it was a total of two and a half minutes. Oh, <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Wow. <laughs> Isn't that wild? American guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. A guy actually uh, I met and ran against in, um, at 
the Mendocino 50K, the first year that I went went out there. Oh, yeah? And when I say ran against, I mean like he was out there. <laughs> there was like zero zero time that we were running <laughs> together. <laughs> zero. Uh, but, you know, and he was out there. And wow. that, that, that's pretty cool. That is cool. Good for him. So he had to eat the vegan uh, food at the end of that? He must have, although I think he is keto. So not, not a good. Not a vegan runner. Not a vegan runner. Okay. Uh, but, all right, so that's that's really good advice about just, you know, slowing down and not paying attention to that. I mean, I think that that's how you get injured. That's also how you, like, I don't know, run into all kinds of issues as a first-time marathoner about being mm-hmm. concerned about your, your pace and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so I got one that, you know, is <laughs> is something I wish that I could do more of now, actually. And so I'm going to say it as something that I would do differently, but... Um, it's also kind of a double-edged sword, maybe. I don't know if that's the right analogy or not. But um, the I was so naive or didn't <laughs> just didn't care about any of the like gear and that kind of stuff. Right. Like, I had I had a decent pair of running shoes. I remember like going to a running store, like a true running store, and getting a pair of running shoes. Mm-hmm. But I would literally come home from work in my you know dress work outfit. I would uh, put on, take off my button-down shirt and have my cotton, white cotton shirt, undershirt, and then um, throw a pair of like basketball shorts over my underwear and wear my same like tall work socks um, <laughs> to like cotton work socks to to run in, and like that was my my training outfit every single day, day in day out. I think that a couple weeks out, I bought I went to Target and bought a pair of running shorts for the race. Uh-huh. But, you know, but I just had like a cotton shirt. I just, uh, I didn't wear my like tall work or my tall um, work cl- work socks for the race, but I just wore a pair of cotton, you know, like sports socks, like Hanes, you know, just mm-hmm. terrible and something I would never do now. Um, you know, and I wish that, I wish I had a little bit more of that kind of like, I don't give a darn about what I'm wearing and like, you know, you can run in anything. I wish I still had a little bit of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, in me because now, you know, now that I have all the gear and now that like I've invested all this, you know, money in gear or gotten it, you know, to try out or whatever, you know, I just like have all this stuff and, and I get kind of bogged down with all this stuff mm-hmm. um, that I wish, I wish I still had that little bit of simplicity kind of mindset, but at the same time, so here's the advice. Um, I would have invested in a nicer pair of shorts and a nicer pair of socks. The shirt, you know, I could give her, you know, yeah. whatever. Yep. But uh, the shorts, I think, uh, because I did have a ton of chafing issues come race day, I think that would have helped a lot. Mm-hmm. And uh, I also had a bunch of blisters. And had I had a decent pair of socks, I think that would have helped a lot. So have, investing in a little bit of uh, strategic gear, I think, will go a long way. Yes, we are uh, quite aligned on this one. I had, I had that as one of mine as well and socks and shorts are the big ones that i would suggest shoes of course matter yes um but like nowadays if i go for a run and when i go for a run which is not training for anything it's it's less uh structured than that for sure uh, i'll still wear running shorts and running socks because i just wouldn't want to run in other things i'll get chafed and it won't be good yeah uh, but i will wear a regular t-shirt and usually just have whatever whatever shoes i wear i don't, I don't usually these days don't have a specific pair of running shoes just because i don't run enough to warrant that or long runs or anything mm-hmm. um so so shorts and socks super important i think shoes though i mean shoes are pretty important like in mine i, I had these saucony 
red shoes that I bought because they were red. I had not, they had nothing to do with running. <laughs> I just liked them. Now, in hindsight, they're Saucony, and like they probably weren't super built up. So if you're into the minimalist thing, which became popular shortly after, uh, well, within a few years after the marathon that I did, um, you know, perhaps they were fine shoes for running. They probably were neutral. They probably didn't have a huge drop. Um, but the point is I didn't think about them. And I think you should think about your shoes and decide what, what you want to be running in. And then if you can afford it, uh, getting, getting that. So I think, you know, I, I, I do agree with that. Um, I'd shoes absolutely matter and having like a true pair of running shoes and one, especially, I mean, like I would recommend one that you primarily only run in, not not your like everyday beater. Mm -hmm. Um, but I will say, you know, I mean, I think that there's so much concern about shoes now yeah, because there's so many options and, and, you know, there's just a lot of hype around like having the newest technology and shoes and all that stuff. And I think, you know, sometimes that can help, it's, but most of the time, I, you know, I think that it's just one more thing to worry about and one more thing to stress over. And if you just have a pair of shoes that feels right to you, like that's, that's all that really matters. Yep. I think it's true. I think most of that is marketing. Uh, and in fact, once I did get, like I, I had this major stress or shin splints that became stress fractures because I didn't, didn't stop running, didn't adjust anything. Um, and so the first thing I said at, when I got back into running a couple, I went, two years later, I started like saying, I'm going to really start trying to do this, um, is I went and got real shoes, or not real, but shoes from the running store that the running store fit. In fact, my wife is actually the one who fit me in them. She worked at a running store back then, uh, was not my wife yet, but uh, that that was part of our early courting phase. Um, <laughs> but anyway, they didn't help. I, I, I got Brooks, whatever they were, Adrenaline maybe, the, the um, stability shoe. Because it, it appeared that I overpronated, and that did not solve my problem at all. It, I don't even know if it helped a bit, and I didn't. I didn't completely solve it until I totally changed my running form. Uh, ended up buying a neutral shoe, still from the running store, but a neutral shoe. Uh, you know, despite the the advice of the running store, um, <laughs> and my wife, and your wife. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I, I just don't think the shoe made much difference. I think I could have been fine in the Brooks Adrenaline. I think the big thing was changing my form to actually run the right way and, yeah. and running easy and all the other stuff that I'm talking about. So anyway, I think that's a good point. Like the shoe can help you. I think it's worth thinking about, but I think, I think you're right. If you get a good pair of shoes that, that especially one that isn't trying to do too much, just a normal pair of shoes. Mm-hmm. Um, then that's, that's can be a good thing. Like you, Doug, yeah. I, uh, I, you said you ate the gel. That was your first time having a gel, uh, in the race. I didn't, I didn't have running shorts or socks until the expo of the race. I bought them thinking this would be good to wear tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a good thing I did because who knows how bad the chafing and things would have been. I mean, that was the last thing I would have needed after everything else. I wonder how often that happens. That people go to the expo and they end up buying their first pair of something. Oh, probably a lot. And eating, eating all the samples and things like that. Yeah, totally. That, Man. this I know this is a tangent, but I was so sore after the marathon that and so were my friends who all who had more complete training cycles than I did, but still had their own share of problems. We went back to the room. It must have been noon or one. We did not watch the Sugar Ray concert, which was happening in San Diego, and which was a big big part of the reason. Not that we were not a reason we were going. But we were excited about that. That was part of our big trip. Uh, did not do that. We just didn't, didn't went, make it down. Did not make it. Went to our hotel room, laid down, turned off the lights, and just went to sleep. And then at some point, six p.m., somebody woke up and said, "Hey, we got to eat some pizza or something." And we're like, yeah, let's do it. And then we just didn't. We just fell asleep again. I remember somebody knocked at the door. I don't know who it was, room service. But you had to get up and go answer it. And it was just so painful. And then and then we just woke up the next morning and had to pack our suitcases and go. 
And that was just such a hard, I mean, the walk to carry suitcases and then walk whatever distance we had to walk to get to the airport. Like that was worse <laughs> than the race. <laughs> it, was, it was just a disaster. That's funny. Anyway, so that's, that's just a little uh, reminder of why these tips are important. Yeah. Okay. I mentioned four. I only have two more. I mentioned form. Um, I, I don't know how much you're supposed to think about running form uh, when you're getting started i don't know if if thinking too much about it could kind of have you doing unnatural sort of habits that might cause injury um but the mistake that i made was i thought i know how to run it's how hard it's just running like there's not that much to know about it i'm not trying to be a professional runner here i can run um and that was a mistake the form was a big part of why i got hurt because i just didn't didn't know landed way too hard on my feet ran kind of the same way that i ran when i sprinted because running fast was all i had ever really done i'd only really run for sports um, so not that my form was any good for sprinting either, but it just kind of felt like, you know, land heavy on your feet, run hard. And that, that's just how it was. I was so, I ran, it was so loud to hear me run, uh, especially when I run on a track where it was like a flat surface. Um, and, and it just, I just had terrible running form. I just didn't, didn't know. And so that's when I figured that out and spent about a month, like really just retraining that, not, not caring about pace or anything, just grooving the proper form. Uh, which mainly came down to the 180 steps per minute thing, three per second. Um, lots of different ways to think about that or do that, but that that's the thing that kind of changed all of that for me. So had I known that tip in those early days, you know, could have saved a lot of a lot of uh, frustration for sure. Yep, good one. Mine. So my last one here is uh, is you know it's just kind of advice that I, I'd give to anybody, no matter what they were starting, if they were new to anything. And that is um, to find somebody who is a little bit more experienced. That not that you have to mimic everything they do or follow all their advice, but um, just so you can, as like a sounding board. If you, you know, if if you're dealing with shin splints or if you're dealing with uh, nutrition issues, you're like, why am I bonking after every run? You know, like just mentioning that to someone, they might have some advice. They might have some sort of uh, support that they can give to you. Um, and I mean, like I know that so. I when I signed up for mine, I signed up with my roommate who also didn't have any running experience. He ended up not actually running it, um, and so mostly I was like all on my own and didn't for whatever reason didn't think to like turn to the internet or books or anything like that. Um, and it wasn't until I started training for my next one that I got a new roommate who was an experienced marathoner, mm. and um, and a really you know a good like way better runner than I have ever been. Um, and he, you know, we didn't do workouts together very often. We didn't run together ever because he was so much faster than me. Um, but it was just like, you know, just like being around somebody who was talking and thinking about running kind of watching what he did and how he fueled and how he paid attention to certain things like that. Just, uh, it totally changed my perspective of running and like what I thought I was able to do. And and I just like learned so much about running through him. And, um, and all it took was just kind of being around somebody who, who knew a little bit more than I did, um, or a lot more than I did. But, uh, I think that, you know, if you're a part of some sort of little running group or if you're a part of, um, you know, you just have, have a friend who's a runner and you kind of lean on them a little bit. Like, I think that can go a long way. Yes, I totally agree with that. That would have helped me tremendously. Um, and that actually goes nicely with my last one, uh, which is to be flexible in your plan. Like pretty much everyone's going to have mm. a, a training plan if you're running a marathon. I would not recommend just like being so flexible that you have no plan and you're just kind of running. Uh, you know, if, if it's your first, I'm assuming you don't know a whole lot about running and you need something to guide you. So have the plan, but 
my mistake was I, I just thought this is the plan. And if you can do every step of this, every single one of these runs, get that in somehow, no matter how bad it goes, badly it goes, if you can get that in, then you will have a successful marathon. But that's not the way to think about it because that no plan in the world is going to know when you in particular start hurting or when you something else comes up and you can't get your long run in or your what other, what other run in. Um, and then you don't know, I mean, if you're following that exactly, what you're supposed to do. Are you supposed to make that up before you go on to the next run? That's what I thought I was supposed to do. Uh, and so I ended up shifting the whole plan and I ended up being a couple of days behind. And then it just, my long run was no longer on the weekend. I mean, just all kinds of bad stuff happened from trying to say, I have to get all these runs in. So the plan is, is just an ideal. It's a thing that if everything went perfectly, then that's what would happen. But no one expects for everything to go perfectly. So there are going to be adjustments to be made. The question then, and this is where yours comes in, Doug, is how, how do you know how to adjust it? Like, how do you know, mm-hmm. how do you know that you don't need to get every single run in or what to do when you miss that run? And that's where having someone who knows more than you, uh, or is more experienced than you could help you say like, look, you don't need to take this that seriously, or you can move this around and skip this one, whatever. Um, so you need to be willing to have that flexibility. And then also, like you said, have, have someone who can kind of guide you as far as how to do it. I think a group is a great idea. I didn't, I didn't do that until way too long into my running uh, probably five or six years in that I started running with people other than my friends who also didn't know how to run. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, once I got into a group, it just, it, things, things took on a certain level of ease at that point uh, because you just, you just stop making these, these dumb mistakes. Yeah. I think that's huge. Good. Good. All right, Doug. Should we tell the nice people about uh, what we've done for them? Yeah. I mean, if I could do it all over again, I would have done exactly what we're about to say. <laughs> Yes. We're doing this purely out of the kindness of our hearts. Yeah. Um, it is Labor Day coming up on yep. Monday. This is going mm-hmm. on Thursday. Uh, we are doing a little Labor Day sale. We were going to just do it via email, but then we thought, hey, why not say it on the podcast too? Um, so the Marathon Roadmap is the program that I put together shortly after I qualified for Boston. So I had, had taken this seven-year journey from you know really not knowing anything about what I was doing, making all these mistakes. Again, not mistakes because the whole thing was part of a process that worked out. But, but all these things that I would have done differently, uh, learning about all that, then getting you know, this, this, fixing these things was the first phase. That was the how to run without getting injured anymore. So you can actually complete the training program. Uh, and then came nutrition and then came running workouts and the actual lowering the time over the course of six marathons, uh, to actually qualify for Boston. So then from there, I said, put together a marathon roadmap. This is how, you know, this is everything I've learned and how I would go back and do a first marathon, uh, given all that I know now and to do it on a plant-based diet. So that was Marathon Roadmap. It has gone undergone two iterations since then, became Marathon Roadmap 2.0, which got a lot better, and then 3.0, which got even better. Um, so now it's full of video and audio and all kinds of different uh, things. Very comprehensive program. I believe it includes Half Marathon Plan as well, right, Doug? Is that, that's does. all bundled includes, together, right? Yeah, it includes Half Marathon Plan and some reworked training plans. And I mean, I even added some in there. So I, it's a it's a much more robust program than it used to be, and it's, uh, it's a great... I mean, it's great for, I think, especially for first-timers, but uh, really anybody. Yeah, who's, who's really anybody, but to. intended for first-timers. Mm-hmm. But if, you, if you're like me and your first one was just horrible, then that would be how you would, how you would yeah. try it again. Um, anyway, because it's Labor Day, we're doing this special. It is half off, which means you will save more than $33 by getting it. <laughs> uh, now, I don't think we set an end date, Doug, but uh, the link is going to be nomadathlete.com slash labor dash day. Mm-hmm. Um, and how long are we going to run that for, Doug? Through, I think the week, through the end of the week? Yeah, through the end of the week. Let's do that. Okay. Through, so, so Friday the what? 
Friday the the sixth. Okay. Of September. Friday, September sixth. So get it. Go over there before then. It's about about when the new podcast will come out. So get it. Get it roughly before our next podcast comes out. Uh, and then you'll be good. You'll have all yeah. you need. That's right. All right. Good. Nomi.com slash labor dash day to get Marathon Roadmap three point for fifty percent off. Doug, anything else before we bid everybody a happy Labor Day? I don't think so. I'm looking uh, looking out at my garden right now, and I see that there's tons of things for me to pick. So, hope everybody has a delicious Labor Day weekend, long weekend. And wait, you can uh, eat vegetables instead of vegan meat on Labor Day? <laughs> and you gotta have some sort of side, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> no, this is, this, I think is the first, you know, this is the first Labor Day when the vegan meats are just they're everywhere, and you just go to you go to any grocery store you want and get them. It's probably yeah. not true, but most of them. Pretty much. I'd like to see the stats you, on the amount of fake meat consumed this Labor Day compared to last. I think mm. it'd just be a massive difference. Are you what? Well, what are you doing for Labor? Day? Are you going to do a big grill out or anything? Uh, I don't have any plans. Probably won't do a big grill. I haven't grilled out in a long, long time. No. I, the only thing I really grill is pizzas. I don't really do. Mm. Any, I don't know. That's one of the things about being vegan is like grilling. Our grilling has has kind of tanked. We just. I don't know. I'm just not going to fire it up to go grill vegetables now that fake meats are around. Though maybe I will. It's changing I, the know, game. Actually, we grill more now than I ever have before. Oh, yeah? Part of that's because we, uh, <laughs> I, for a long time, I thought like, if you have a gas grill, then you're just a sucker. <laughs> you're just lazy, you know, <laughs> back to that, uh, back to that conversation of last week of like, mm-hmm. uh, yep. you know, convenience versus quality. Yep. Um, and so, you know, so it just takes so much, so much more effort to do charcoal. But now that we have a grass grill, gas grill, and we have for a number of years now, um, yeah, we fire it up all the time. We do like fajitas on the grill. We do, uh-huh. you, you know, not not just like your burgers and stuff. We do a lot of cooking on the grill um, because, what in some you, ways, it's almost easier than. What do you What do you put on there? Are you having like kebabs and things like that? Sometimes grilled you know, pineapples. We have a couple of different like baskets, uh, like veggie baskets, and so we'll just like throw a bunch of stuff in there, and it adds a slightly better flavor than what we what we get on the stove if we want to mix it up a little bit. You know, sometimes like sometimes it's just it's like stir fry, but we just do the vegetables in the grill, and it's just as easy. Because mm-hmm. you know, then you sit outside and you have a glass of wine or whatever. You Eliza runs around okay. in the yard. And you're just kind of cooking outside, and uh, I like yeah. that. You know, what we did actually uh, the other day what? was we made pancakes on the grill. Yeah. With a, like a little like you griddle with a batter onto the grill. <laughs> no, with like a little grill pan. Um, uh-huh. But we uh, had some another family with some young kids and they were playing in the yard and we're like why don't we just cook it outside okay and it was great so that worked but it tasted like regular pancakes right it did it yeah, yeah. it tasted just like <laughs> okay. yeah. nothing special about it <laughs> so i i know i don't grill anymore because i i have this thing that thinks if i'm going to be grilling that uh, that needs to be my meal that is made from the grill i'm not going to go inside and also make rice and also make a stir fry sauce and then mix that with the things that i've grilled mm. You know, I think I'm, I'm. That's that's probably the box that I'm in. I'm trying to make a whole meal on the grill. Right. I just need to use it in my my other cooking. Yeah. Or or you know like uh, sorry, <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll sign off here. But um, <laughs> uh, I've we have a lot of hot peppers in the garden, and then we have like gotten a lot of poblano peppers from our farm share. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those are just so good. You like when you like really fire them up on the grill and get them blackened, and I don't know what you call that. Yeah. Charred. I did roasting. roasting. I mean, I roast peppers in the in the air fryer all the time. But mm. maybe the grill makes a better flavor. I mean, they still char. In the okay. air fryer. Okay, I think we'll do a right. whole grilling episode maybe later. 
<laughs> I think not, we just did. Not at the end of our marathon conversation. <laughs> okay, that's, that's good. Idea. All right, well, okay. uh, have a great Labor Day weekend, Matt, and everyone else. And uh, thanks for listening. Okay, bye.